You're listening to the Mini Market Podcast presented by Tellum Sports. Welcome back to the Mini Market Podcast. This week we've just got two men in the house. Dalton here with Isaiah. Little two man game. Ike, how are we doing? Two man weave, two man weave. What up, what up? We got the Dalton Zayerman going first time, I think, in the mini market history that we've had this combo. Uh, we're not sure what to expect, and I don't think the listeners should be sure either. So I'd say stay tuned. This could get weird. Chris Finch rolling out a new lineup. Who knows? All offense, all defense. We're going to find out. Ooh, ooh, ooh. So last week we were heavy on the twins talk. So we'll skip most twin stuff this week, but. Got to touch on the Twinkies winning ways. Three straight series W's against the three AL division leaders. Just how we expected. Trade away Rios, trade away Cruz, and boom. Best team in the AL. So the question is, are the Twins actually going to be contenders in 2022? Is that, you know, because Connor was saying we're not going to be. You were saying we're not going to be. I think the general consensus is that it's a, a slow process. I think you announced that 2023 is the year. But with this ragtag group of starting pitchers, I think we've got something. Um, and if the offense is just going to keep putting up 12 runs a game, who knows? Maybe they even sneak back into second place. Like you said, Dalt, we're only six games back now. It's possible. The AL Central is brutal. Four of the six worst records in the AL. But like you said, the pitching staff, the pitching staff of Griffin Jacks, Charlie Barnes, Bailey Ober, household names, killing it. Nine mm-hmm. Last nine games, starting pitchers. 3.95 ERA, and if you drop that one uh, Bo Burrows start where he gave up six runs in two innings, 3.04 ERA from the starting pitchers. So that's pretty solid. It, it gives you hope, I guess. I don't know, but you were at the Bo Burrows game. I was just going to say, I uh, so hand up, I was a bit of a hypocrite because I think I said last week that uh, all listeners just abandon hope on this season for the Twins. Stop watching, stop going to the games, start doing other stuff. And then I literally went to the next game, next available slot. I went to the game uh, and it was a great one. It was a lot of action. And uh, if you weren't cheering for the twins, if you just were like, I'm going to watch some mediocre baseball being played by one team and pretty good baseball being played by the other team, you were at the right spot. I was at the right spot. Uh, Actually, target field still holds up kind of fun. Tim Anderson hits a home run to lead off the game. I had not even found my seat yet. I was still 18 sections away with my girlfriend, Sheila. We could not locate our seats by the time that the twins were down. And guess what? They barely got a hit. I, I was like ready to go in the fifth inning because they had already been down eight, nothing. It was a lovely evening though. Uh, but there was that one thing keeping me there. Do you know what it was, Dalt? No. It was the no-hitter watch from Lucas Giolito. He was no-hitting the Twins while we were simultaneously getting destroyed. It was was just like, I didn't want to jinx it. Didn't want to say like, hey, I'm still kind of invested in this game where I know we're not going to win. And I don't want to say why, because I've never seen something like that in person. I think that's probably a pretty rare experience. I mean, less rare now. Obviously, there's been a ton of no-hitters in the last couple of years. I think we talked about that about 15 pods back or whatever, but... I think to be in attendance for a no-hitter, regardless of your allegiances to teams, I think that would still be a really cool experience. Uh, So we were kind of hanging out. I was like, man, he's dicing us up right now. Like a lot of bad at-bats, soft action from the Twins. And, uh, you know, Lucas would be proud. Luis Arise breaks up the no-hitter with a 
ground ball off of Giolito's knee. If it didn't hit him, it was right to the shortstop. They had him played perfectly. It would have been the easiest play ever, but it just happened to hit Giolito in the knee and like trickle off towards like the third baseline and arise breaks up the no hitter. And then Sano uh, in classic Sano fashion goes yeah, yeah in the like eighth inning off Giolito to kind of end his whole, like the whole bid for the night. It was just like, that's gotta be a bad feeling as a pitcher. I don't know how you would feel if you're like, got this no hitter rolling, then you get hit in the knee, which hurts one that hurts Two, you lose the no hitter. And then you're like, I'm just going to keep going. This team's probably giving up. And then in like the eighth inning, just get a, with two outs, just a ball crushed off you to lose the no hit bid or like the the shutout bid yeah that was a rocket i think that was the hardest ball hit by a twins hitter in Statcast era it was like 116 miles an hour or something it was just a missile but yeah that, that it, it just it's insult to injury when you lose the no-no getting drilled yeah it's just like i was surprised he stayed in the game honestly because it was like the sixth inning when it happened he's the one of their best pitcher but their best pitcher and they're up nine nothing, I think, at that point, eight nothing. It's like there's no real reason to keep him in here. And now the no hitter's gone. Like, but he'd thrown like forty five pitches. That was part of it. And he was just rolling through the lineup. Um but speaking of pitch count though, like that game, it showed how the twins do not care about Bo Burrows at all, is not part of their plans at all. Cause in the first inning, he was laboring. He was at like 45 pitches, and they didn't even have anyone up in the bullpen. They're like, you might throw 80 pitches in this first inning, buddy. Your arm might fall off, but it's your inning. It was a classic, like it's the first inning, but they're done with the game. Like, and, and it's almost a strategic way to be like, all right, we're not going to win this game, most likely. Their ace is going. We've got Bo going, and Bo is not rolling. Bo does not know. Bo does not know. Just like let him sit out there and eat as many innings as he can. It turns out he could only get, I think, two before they had to replace him. But it was like, yeah, he, it, any other day, like earlier in the season, you pull him, get the bullpen going. But it was kind of like, well, let's not lose the whole series because we lost the first game and had to like blow our bullpen in the second inning. So. That was that was tough. Another takeaway from the game uh, was that it, even though the Twins got blown out, it was it was just great to be back outside watching baseball. How do you feel about the people who go to the games live and listen on the radio with their headphones while they're at the game? Is that yeah. a vibe? Yeah, it's all time weird guy, all time weird guy move. Uh, I would say the only like one step up of that is the guy who's doing that and also keeping score in their own book that not the like score that you can buy. Like when you walk into the game, they're like scorebooks, scorebooks. It's the one where he went to like a baseball specialty store or like Dick's sporting goods and just bought a generic scorebook and has all the games from the season in that one book. So they can like look back. Uh, that's baseball at its purest. I'd say, <laughs> how do you feel about that guy? it's on a similar level to like going by yourself as a 50 year old and bringing like a glove. <laughs> I think I put those on similar, similar <laughs> levels. I think if, if you're like a dad or a mom and you've got like your kids there bringing a glove, like go for it. But if, if you're like lone adult and you've got your outfield glove on and you're sitting in section like three fifty, like maybe they'll hit a foul ball up here and I'll snag it. <laughs> That, that's a weirdo move. Super weirdo move. Cause you know, that person didn't ever play baseball either. 
not to be offensive, but that person's never played baseball. That was the first mitt they'd ever owned. It's kind of probably made out of plastic. It's definitely a softball glove. Uh, and yeah, very weird. Weirder still is if you go and you're on a date and you also bring the glove. You're just really committed to the glove at a game. Be your date at night. the game. Hey, where's your glove? You bring a spare, maybe? You pull like a Benny the Jet move. You pull a hat and like a glove out of your back pocket of your nice Levi's and you're like, boom, don't worry, sweetie. I gotcha. Let's go get some foul balls. I was at one game where I saw someone with a fishing net. Wait, okay, wait, what? And I don't know if that's like so weird that it's funny, so it's okay. But in in, in my opinion, you can wear a glove or bring a fishing net if you're at a home run derby and you're by yourself. Other than that, you got to leave that stuff at home. <laughs> leave it at home, folks. I actually think I disagree on the fishing net. And here's why. If you catch something with that fishing net, it's guaranteed sports center. Guaranteed Sports Center. If you are at a baseball game with a fishing net and you catch a like a home run or a foul, anything, it doesn't matter what it is. That is guaranteed Sports Center because it's like, what the heck are they doing? How do they even let them bring this into the game? And then the the chances that like you make a play with that, pretty cool. I would say fishing net. If you're thinking about it, if you're going glove or net, go net. Get on TV. There we go. There is our baseball attendance etiquette segment of the day. <laughs> Last takeaway from the game was that Target Center is really ugly from the outside. V- like, very ugly. And I hadn't really registered that until I purposefully selected seats on the third baseline so you could get that nice sunset kind of action going uh, into the downtown view. And it is totally corrupted by just the ugliest building of all time right there. Like in that Target Center Plaza, it's like right there, just butchering up the whole skyline view. And there's no windows on the other side. It's just clearly this gross brick building that they slapped like basically wallpaper over on the outside to try to make it look better. And and then there's always been the dot, like the Target dot thing or whatever and like that was like kind of fun and then when i looked past that i was like whoa this is really bad um so maybe that's our we'll transition now into the timberwolves buttery transition Butter. take it away ooh, ooh. Oh. so a bit of news came out this week that kind of got me a little bit fired up and i'd love to hear how you think about it Dalt. but it was the athletic did sort of like a power rankings of every player in the NBA. They tiered them. They put all these players into groups. Boom, 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 boom. Five groups. I think it was five groups. And they had three people in the same group. And I just wanted to find out if I'm crazy or do these names match up? Because they had Anthony Edwards, D'Angelo Russell, and Alex Caruso all in the same tier of player. That's like that's like comparing apples to oranges in a weird way. Like Anthony Edwards and Alex Caruso bring such different things to a basketball game. Insanely different. I hate it at first, but the more I think about it as in terms of current value to a basketball team i can see the argument well let's hear him out so in three years if 
if you're putting if you're projecting out three years from now how valuable players are, Edwards shouldn't even be in the same conversation as D'Lo and Caruso. But Caruso was arguably the Lakers' best defender, not named Anthony Davis on a championship team. Just signed like a four-year, $40 million deal. He brings a lot to the table, not necessarily in scoring, but like that really good sort of sixth, seventh man on a, a championship caliber team. So I could see how that compared with Anthony Edwards value right now, because Edwards is a legit scorer, but was really bad defensively last year. I could see how you could put them in a similar tier. Delo is kind of funky. Delo feels weird, right? <laughs> that is weird. <sighs> but in just context of just thinking about that, it what does that say about, and I, I understand what you're saying about, uh, Edwards and his like current value. I think we're probably going to see a massive jump that won't ever like this. They'll these two will never be in conversation like this again together. Caruso and Edwards. I feel like I think this year is going to be massive for Edwards. So if that happens, this is a mute point. But what does that say about our the Wolves franchise? That two out of our top three players are our future. Everything we have and hold dear to us as a franchise, minus Carl Anthony Towns, is in the same tier <laughs> as a what do you call him? A six man? He's a role player on a on a championship team. Our two out of our top three players are at the same level as a role player on a championship team. Is, I'm I'm imagining if the roster today was Carl Anthony Towns, two Alex Caruso's, and the, the rest <laughs> of the squad, how I would feel about this upcoming season. I don't think I'd watch a single game. It'd be pure depression from the entire fan base if that was like, if you just think of the poster, it's just Cat in the middle with two Caruso's like behind him, kind of like one's holding the ball out, one's got it like tucked under his arm and like double headbands going. And it's just like, are you ready to run with the pack? <laughs> That's the pack. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that to me that screams either one we're like stupidly optimistic and we're sort of too close to the team, or we're like this team's got crazy upside and we're not taking it like we're not taking into account how many good players there are in the NBA. Yeah, or the national media is just classically underselling. A Minnesota roster and D'Lo and Edwards are better than the national media thinks they are, but the two wolves get no coverage. I, it seems like it, it's probably one of those two things. I hope it's the latter and it's not us just being like, this team is great. But then you start running down other rosters and you're like, oh, maybe this team isn't so great. But ugh. yeah. So, okay, I've got an analogy. I've been watching the great British baking show lately. Don't know if you've seen it. I've seen but, a couple episodes. Okay, it's see, lovely. It is lovely. Just happy. A delight. Great to have on. But you know Paul Hollywood, right? He's the kind of like creepy blue-eyed judge guy. Anyways, he's got this thing that he does where when everybody's kind of like showing their recipes, he comes around, he like talks to them and he's like, Oh, what are you making? That was my British accent. That was French. <laughs> we, uh, we. What are you making? <laughs> okay, okay, let me try again. Oh, and uh, what's that? You got uh, what you making? <laughs> pretty good scrumptious uh so he just does that and he'll be like he kind of like does this thing where like it'd be like 
oh, the, the dough looks weird. And he'll like kind of touch it and be like, oh, your dough looks weird. This is going to come out like this. It's going to, your dough is weird. This can come out flat, right? He'll say that and then they'll do the whole thing. And the person's like, I think I can salvage it. I think, you know, I know my dough is a little weird, but if I bake it right, all this stuff. And then he does the judging portion and he just sticks to the take that he had of like, yep, just like I said, it's a little bit flat because the dough was weird. And that's my analogy on Anthony Edwards and the national sports media is that they had this image of him and a, the idea of what he was going to be and how he's going to play the game. And they just have stuck to that. And it just seems like nobody watched the second half of the season when he showed like the leaps and bounds from the first half of the season in terms of like his offensive output, his like how comfortable he was with the ball, his playmaking ability, his grit, his determination. Like, I just think all of that stuff has been ignored. And uh, so it's kind of like the national media said, Hey, Anthony Edwards, your dough's a little bit weird. It's going to come out flat. And they're like, yep, he came out flat fifth tier, put him with Alex Caruso. So that was, thanks for sticking with us on that one. That was a little bit of a roundabout. <laughs> no, I think that's money. And I think there have been like previous instances of this too. If you remember Chris Dunn, when we drafted him, came out of the draft, everyone's like, oh, he's going to be this excellent defender, like can create a little bit on the ball, like can get to the rim, make some passes. Had a terrible, terrible rookie season. And then the Jimmy Butler trade happened and the Bulls were like, oh, great, we'll get Chris Dunn. We sent Dunn, Levine, whatever, the pick to get Butler. And then the national media was like, oh, the Bulls did great. They got this young talent in Levine. Chris Dunn is awesome. Like It was like his rookie season never happened. He was like the same player that came out of Providence. It was like, yes, exactly. It was like uh, ESPN checks notes from draft night and then just reads what they had written about him from draft night and just repeated that as their analysis of him as a player. Exactly. Yeah. So I guess it can, it can be a pro or a con. True. That's fair. It's just, uh, it just sometimes feels weird that you just ignore a guy. And I think, I think it all stems back to me for some reason, the whole like ball family thing just keeps bugging me because a secondary thing with this is if you are like, if you lived under a rock, which I do sometimes, and then you just pop into Twitter quick and you just go to like the ESPN and sports center Twitter. And we're like trying to catch up with what's going on in the NBA and like what's happening in this, the Vegas summer league in general, you would think that Leangelo ball was the second coming of Michael Jordan with the amount of coverage that this guy gets from ESPN and sports center for doing like so nothing like his stat lines are so average. It's like Leangelo fire, 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 fire. And it's like him passing the ball once. And then, then they do his stat line. It's like three of seven from three, nine points, one rebound. And that's his whole, like two assists stat line. They're like Leangelo had it cooking tonight in Vegas. <laughs> Meanwhile, you have like guys all over the summer league, all over all the teams have, a player, at least one player who is far better than Leangelo Ball. And he just continues to get like this hype. And it's like ESPN is like using him to continue to try to hype LaMelo Ball. It's like just keep this like name going for everybody. So then when the real season starts, then we can keep talking about LaMelo Ball because Ball has been in your head for the entire summer. You've just been thinking about Ball, 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 Ball. And then it's like, oh, LaMelo Ball is awesome. And it's like, dude, like they, 
they don't even say anything about a good season in the summer that Jaden McDaniels is having. Like he's been exactly what we had hoped as a fan base, maybe even more. Uh, and the Timberwolves summer league team has been just blowing people out, like winning by 30 the last two games. And he just plays so great. And he had a premier matchup in that Bulls game against the top pick. It was like two guys going head to head. It would have been an awesome thing to highlight. And it's just like totally buried. It's not even on NBA's, like if you go to the NBA summer league website, they don't even talk, like the Wolves have never played a game. Right. I mean, Jalen Noel is like borderline leading the summer league in scoring. Just a lot, like he's just putting up huge numbers. McDaniels has been scoring and playing great defensively. And he always takes on the other team's number one matchup. Like mm-hmm. he's taken on Devin Vassell from the Spurs. Like you mentioned, Patrick Williams from the Bulls. Mm-hmm. Like it seems like every, every summer league team has like one guy who's yeah. too good for summer league a little bit. Yeah. And that's, probably Jalen Noel and Jaden McDaniels on the Wolves, but McDaniels takes on that matchup and he's been shutting guys down. Shutting them down. And it, yeah, I think that is one thing to note. I think that was a good point of like the Wolves are like most of the guys on this team are like a little bit too good to be there. Like of our starters, I think you probably could say there's like, you said two obviously, and then there's like maybe like a third where like McKinley Wright has shown that he is a really capable point guard. Nathan Knight has... Like they both obviously still need to be there, but there's a reason they're like dominating teams. It's because these guys are more on that like end of maybe could be on a NBA roster than a lot of teams have guys where it's like most of their starters are definite one way players, and that one way is G League. So it's grain of salt. So that kind of brings up like a like a how do you feel about the summer league in general? Like what what do you try to take away from all of this? as the Wolves are playing their fourth game uh, as we as we speak. I feel like you have to watch the players who are a little too good for summer league, like Noel, like McDaniels, and you have to watch their ability to do things that they're not typically going to do in the Wolves' day-to-day system. Like McDaniels right now is initiating a lot more offense and like taking guys off the dribble more. And I feel like though, like that's something you can watch and say like, okay, can he take a guy off the bounce, get a good look? Because he he can defend at an NBA level. He can shoot three pretty decently on like catch and shoot from the corners. Yep, yep. But if he can develop that catch, take two, three dribbles hard, get to the rack and finish, like that's going to take him to that sort of next level. And if he's going to be able to do that at the NBA level, he obviously needs to be able to do that at the summer league level. So it's sort super of, consistently, right? So it's, it's, it's sort of watching that to say, is he doing that here? Because if he's struggling against G league guys, there's no way he's, that's going to translate into a game in December against the Lakers. And then similarly for a guy like Noel, how does he defend? Because yep. he's, he's probably a top one or two scorer in the summer league at, at large. Like he's just, he's an NBA scorer playing in the summer league, but defensively he's so weak. Like, how is he doing defensively watching him? Who's he guarding? How, how does he look? I think those are things you can take away. Um, I'm not necessarily interested. Like, does he put up 28 points on 18 shots? Like, yeah, that's kind of expected. Cause he'll, yeah. Cause he'll never get that many shots in a game for the wolves or shouldn't, if he is something maybe has gone wrong or <laughs> fire, fire in a bottle or whatever that's saying. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, but what about so, you? 
Yeah, no, I think that's a really good uh, analysis of what you should be looking for. It's more, it's a more individual. You're not at all looking for what the teams are doing. It really doesn't matter. Um, but you can, you can get growth from players. I think Tyus Jones in that year that they won the summer league, I think it was, it was good for him to get a little bit of confidence back. Uh, he, he felt more comfortable shooting kind of after that. Um, there's just little things like that that you can get from a summer league. And I think it's, it's good to see what you said about McDaniels where they're trying to just let him initiate and, and force the issue a little bit because I think his, like his season with Washington was kind of so bad offensively that it maybe I'm not going to say it zapped his confidence. Cause I don't know, you know, like I didn't, I have no interaction with him, so I can't be like, Oh, he had no confidence, but it's like, just a good reminder to him that like you're a really capable scorer. Like you're a really, really good basketball player offensively. You don't just have to be a defensive specialist. Like this team does, the Wolves do need you to be a little bit more than just a shutdown defender because we already like we have, you can get that. We need you to be special and to be special. You do have to be assertive on offense. Um, And there's going to be nights where like, he's going to have to, do a, a lot more offensively for the Wolves because you know that's you're not gonna have a healthy season. It's not gonna be a fully healthy season. There are gonna be games where he's kind of like our premier option. And like if he has these sort of like reminders to himself of like, yes, I can get this done. Like I I can beat guys off the dribble, like you said. Like I can score. I can pull up. Like I'll get to the rim. I'll get fouled. I can make my free. Th- like all of this stuff is important as like little reminders to him as he's uh, developing his game. So I think that's really cool. I'm excited for Nathan Knight a little bit. I think he might have been a sneaky pick, especially considering how well Nas Reed has developed in the like couple of years that though he's been in the Wolves organization. Um, if if Nathan Knight can kind of develop in a similar timeline to Nas Reed, like if he's going to take those types of strides that Nas Reed did, I think they got some here um, in sort of a sneaky way. Uh, so I think that could be kind of a that's a little fun one to watch in the future. Obviously, that it's not going to developing anything quickly but um in the next couple yeah of years, he seems it, like he's yeah. kind of like a, the bouncy lob threat that the wolves have haven't really had yeah um, and if, yeah. if people don't know nathan knight is a center that the wolves signed he played with the hawks a little hawks. bit last year yep. so yep. he's young he's a 23 year old center 610 um yeah sort of like a athletic sort of lob guy pick and roll um they signed him on a two-way deal for i think it was a two-year two-way deal where they they spend some he can spend some time in the G League and then they can call him up sort of bounce him back and forth. Yeah. Yep. So some conversations came out between uh, the new ownership group and how they kind of have a their vision for the Timberwolves kind of going forward. So Lori and uh, Alex Rodriguez, Mark Lori and Alex Rodriguez, they had a few quotes come out about how they're feeling about taking on their ownership as they kind of they they pen their first uh, check to. Uh, Glenn Taylor. They pen their first check to Glenn Taylor. So they're kind of in now uh, as minority owners of the Timberwolves. And so Glenn Taylor obviously has said he wants them to be more involved than any of the previous minority owners that the Timberwolves have had who have basically had zero say. Apparently it's kind of been Glenn and his two, uh, the the CEO and the COO kind of calling all the shots. Um, but so now Lori and A-Rod are going to have a little bit more of a say. And they kind of talked about the, sort of their vision. Like, what are they early on? What are they thinking about? And one of the things that they really focused on, and I think 
you could see it from some of the things that Rosas and Finch have already said this offseason is that they really focused and they understand already that the Minnesota market is difficult for signing and attracting free agents. So they're like internal player development is massively important to the success of this franchise. Um, And that for me, a couple things. First, I like it actually. I think uh, if they can get guys to make strides and really invest in growing players. I do think that might be a competitive advantage for the Timberwolves. It's almost like it's not a money ball approach, but it's that, that I know you don't like money ball, but it's kind of that idea of like, okay, how does a small market have to compete? You got to do it in different ways. You invest in different areas. You're not just going to try to out spend other teams and other franchises. And it's not even that it's money. It's just like you can't attract certain guys to come here. So you have to find a different way. And so I like that already for me. I think that shows a good sign of like, these are two smart guys um, who have built some things, who have, you know, good personalities. And they they already seem like they're thinking differently in a, in a sense. And like, they're already targeting a way to improve the team and improve the franchise. And you can tell that they've made an impact because like I said, Finch and Rosas are already kind of falling in line to that thinking of like, okay, like Rosas is like, let's develop internal development is important. It's like, this is weird coming from him. Who's been, you know, trader, trader Rick kind of (laughs) personality of like, he's just trade everybody. And now like all of a sudden he's like, the guy was like, yeah, let's like see what we got here and like develop everything. And so, I think that's cool. I also think it's ironic coming from uh, Alex Rodriguez, who is like, he played his whole career at the New York Yankees, a team that's like notorious for just like buying everything that they have ever wanted. So it's, to me, it's a little bit funny coming from him. Uh, but I don't know. How do you feel about sort of this start of the next step of the Timberwolves? I mean, the Glenn Taylor way wasn't exactly working. So the fact that he's got a couple new voices in the room is, is exciting as a T-Wolves fan. Um, and the fact that they're recognizing that the Timberwolves, more than any other Minnesota sport, are not going to be able to attract any type of free agents. Like the Vikings can, they're they're a team that can get good football players. The Twins, they they're good enough where you can you can get guys. Um, but the NBA, it's such a star driven league, and stars want to be in big markets. So understanding that you can have the money, but it doesn't really matter in Minnesota. Um, as far as the, the Rosas bit, part of me wonders if you really harp on internal development being important when you have asked every team in the league if they want any of your players and nobody wants them. Want them. So yeah. you're, you're like, well, we can't make trades, but I'm not going to say that. So oh, internal development. Yeah, that's that's the route we're going. That's a hot ticket. Yeah, let's run that. Um, that actually brings me to like a sort of hypothetical of so with Anybody who's like invested in the Timberwolves, I think has to be at this point, super invested in Jaden McDaniels. I think he's proven that he was this like kind of surprise player last year. He, his demeanor is just, he's so likable. You know, it's sometimes there's guys who are just super likable. I think both him and Anthony Edwards are that in different ways. Anthony Edwards is a little more bombastic and big personality, but, uh, McDaniels kind of has this sort of like laid back, like just like, dang, that guy seems cool. Like I like him. I like cheering for him because he, his personality doesn't match his play style in a sense. Like he's so gritty. He's so determined, but he has such a like laid back vibe uh, and not in the way that 
Andrew Wiggins had, where it was he's not disinterested. It's not that. No. That's not there are what stories I'm of him from. like calling guys sewer trash on the court while he's guarding <laughs> them and stuff. And like that's not something Wiggins would have ever done. No. <laughs> so so if you're if you're in on the Timberwolves, you're in on Jaden McDaniels. But you've also probably been hearing in this entire summer about Ben Simmons, right? He's been like it's been forever of Ben Simmons, basically since like their season kind of started to fall since all of those things started coming out of Philadelphia about like Doc Rivers doesn't think he's that good. He didn't shoot the ball at all at the end of their playoff run. Uh, Joel Embiid doesn't it sound like love him has like a one two combo. So then it's the Wolves have been primarily in these talks and you get like these little secret meetings happening at like, you know, the NBA draft night and like all this stuff coming out of like Ben Simmons, Ben Simmons, Ben Simmons. So if it is all going to happen, if it's at all possible, it's very, 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 very likely that Jaden McDaniels will be included in this trade, right? Like I think most likely. Yeah, I think, I think that's fair. So this has been the summer of hype on McDaniels. And now like me personally, I've gotten invested in him. I just like him so much. I think he would be so fun to watch for the next few years. Now it's like, would this taint the Ben Simmons trade? If like Timberwolves did it, would you be like, would it feel like a little hole in your heart or would you be super game? Like a hundred percent, you got to go. If, if it's on the table, you got to take it. I think you've got to take it. Something I've been thinking about as far as Wolves fans in general, I think Wolves fans love to point to the steals and the bargains that Rosas has pulled. So like, Nas Reed signed him as an undrafted free agent. Jaden McDaniels got him late in the first round. Leandro Balmero. Yes, Balmero. He's going to be this great guy that we picked, whatever, 24th. Where you drafted a guy or where they came from does not provide extra value on the court, if that makes sense. So, you don't get bonus points for making things harder on yourself. Like after you draft a guy, you should really just forget about where he was picked. And it's about the value that he provides. And I think sometimes guys like Nas Reed, guys like Jaden McDaniels, we compare them to like other undrafted free agents or other late first round picks and say, this guy's awesome, but they're awesome relative to where we picked them up. And that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you have all first overall picks or all undrafted free agents on your roster. What matters is that your team is better than the other teams in the league. And I, I, I think we tend to get a little bit caught up in like, oh, we have these great steals that we picked up here and there, these hidden gems. And yes, they're hidden gems, but their overall value is still like relatively low. It's just high compared to other players who might be undrafted, things like that. So I think we get caught up a little bit of like, McDaniels is great. And yes, he is really, really good, but he's nowhere near a guy like Ben Simmons. Like Ben Simmons is going to take the team to another level. And yes, McDaniels might grow a little bit, but I, I think we get caught up in the fact that he was a late first round pick and is becoming like a fringe starter or like a, like a contributing member to an NBA team. And that's a great value for where we got him. But I think you have to actually look at just what he provides, not what he provides compared to other late first round picks. Wow. Just wow. That was incredible. Uh, my biggest takeaway is I think that if the Timberwolves are ever going to be successful in this league, we need to start handicapping based on where you're drafted. 
So you get, you do get something for being undrafted and playing. Like you, you get a few, like you start the game, how many undrafted players are going to play? You get like a 10th of a point per two minute they play or something like five minutes they play or something like that. So you just put Nas Reed the- in the game all game. You just rack up those secret little like percentage points. Um, I think that would be really big. I, that was a great point, Dalton. I have no notes, no notes on that. That was, I think really well said. I, I, it is, it does fall into that factor of like, these are our guys. These are, uh, you're like shooting upwards, like reaching upwards because you, you still think of these players as wherever you drafted them instead of thinking of them as like, how does Nas Reed compare as a backup center to all the other backup centers? Right. Some of those guys might be top 10 picks and Nas Reed is an undrafted free agent. So Nas was a way better value for what we got him at. But if he's providing less value to the team, if he's not as good as the guy who was the 10th overall pick, who's another backup center, like you'd rather have the guy who was the 10th overall pick because he's a little better. True. Unless money. The only other thing that actually does that is money where you can get more for the rest of your team. If you have a player like Nas Reed who can actually contribute uh, for the That's paycheck that he earns. That's the only thing. That is the actual true handicap in this situation. And I'm actually glad we pointed that out. That would have been a bad one. Uh, news on Balmero? Anything? Do we think he's going to come? The latest news season? sounds like he's signing. I think I think yep. I saw his Spanish league team posted something like a goodbye. Yeah. Uh, looking for that buyout. It was like just under a million dollars, I think. So, uh Timberwolves fans get excited for this one, I think, right? I don't know. I mean, we'll probably do a highlight on him later after the news is kind of official, but... Yeah, it's kind of a bummer we didn't get to see him in Summer League because I think that would have been a good time to showcase him and just sort of put the ball in his hands and say, let's see what we've got here. Yeah, for sure. It would have been fun to watch him and and McDaniel side-by-side kind of initiating the offense. Could be some synergy there. Yeah. Summer League Dynasty. Yeah. Well, it's kind of that like the worst teams are really good at like preseason and summer league. And like it's kind of, it kind of always holds true, doesn't it? For some reason, it's like really bad teams for some reason are really good at uh, these types of things. And I think it's probably because they have more starters playing in these things or like more actual bench players playing in these things. We're like really good teams are like, yeah, we know our roster. Like these guys don't matter like sorry but we know who our 12 guys are and it's none of them whereas the wolves are like we know who's like eight of our guys seven of our guys are and then we have like nine people competing for the final five spots or whatever so that might be a a part of the reason that they've been doing so well in the summer league but hey wolves wins are wolves wins baby i'm not going to complain oh love it there's actually a, a funny point in that, sorry, in, just in that Bulls game that the Wolves played where um, McKinley Wright was playing pretty well um, from the point guard position. And the color analyst was like talking about how it was crazy that a talent like this left the state of Minnesota to go to like a less prestigious psych, a more prestigious conference in the Pac-12, Quiet. but actually probably a less prestigious conference, the Pac-12. Uh, and to like not one of the top schools. He went to Colorado, was a four-year starter, I think, right? Like had a great so. career for them. Like is their all-time assists leader or like, you know, just like one of their best players ever and now is maybe going to make like an NBA roster. And like the announcer was like, how do you like, if you're going to be good as a college 
team, you have to get guys like this. And so I think that was like a really clean and clear highlight of like some of the downfall for Patino in Minnesota. It's like not, it's like letting guys like this escape the state. And I think that was like a very clear example to what uh, the U of M was thinking when they hired Ben Johnson. I like I think that because that that was the report on Ben Johnson's like he's got way more ties in the state he's going to keep guys here and this was like a good like obviously like yes Tyus Jones left and yes uh, his younger brother left and uh, right Chet Holmgren Reed Chet Holmgren so like all these guys are leaving but like I think the Gophers need more guys like McKinley Wright right like if you're going to get the best guys, you need to get the second level guys too, who are going to be there for a long time and really compete. And like, then you start to fold in some of the bigger names will start staying, I think. So that'll be interesting to see if he's able to kind of over the next, you know, however long you get as a college coach, five years, start keeping guys like McKinley right in, in town. Oh yeah. Couldn't agree more. And we'll <laughs> leave it at that. This week's mini market podcast. Thanks for tuning in and listening. We appreciate every single one of you. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Tell em Sports. Check out our blog at tellemsports.com. We've got two blogs coming every week. We've had it going for a while now. So a lot of new content on there, a lot of good reads. Tellemsports.com. We'll see you next week. Reading is good for your brain, even if it's not that good of writing. Don't cut that. Bye. I think Peace. that was a good, <laughs> a good synopsis of our blog quality. I'll never get those 20 minutes back in my life.